Do you want a cash-flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom? Sunsets and palm trees on your terms. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags-to-riches real estate millionaire who started with no money or credit and quickly grew a multi-million dollar portfolio of cash-flowing apartments. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life, and the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson. Today, we got a really kind of a neat episode. I think you're going to really find some really valuable nuggets in that, man, it does not matter where you're located to do multifamily real estate. You are going to see from our next guest, Ralphie, that he is in Israel, Israel, and yet he has found a way to make a wonderful, wonderful living and life doing multifamily deals all the way across the pond, right, in Israel. So I want you guys to listen to his story because when there is a will, there is a way. And the biggest limitations that we put on ourselves is typically what we put in our mind. We are normally the problem most of the time. So you've got to break through that junk, that stuff, to go find what uniquely drives you and then pursue your dreams with relentless passion. That is how you become successful in anything, right? regardless of if it's real estate or not, but in anything in life. It's that drive that I'm all in. I'm going to do whatever it takes and be willing to fail. Be willing to scrape your knees to get beat up a little bit because it's not about how hard you hit. As Rocky says, it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward because that's how winning is done (laughs) in my best version of Rocky Balboa impression ever. Okay. (laughs) Listen, so this episode is going to be really good. I want you to pay attention. Before we get to that, though, a word from our sponsors. At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. If you want to learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room. All right. Thanks a lot for that, guys. Listen, by the way, if you want my book for free, you're just going to text the word book, B-O-O-K, to 480-500-1127. I'll send you my book for free. Do that right now so we can get you a book. It's a great read. It'll talk about everything about real estate and really the journey of how I became a multi-multi-millionaire. Last thing, couple five-star reviews from iTunes. I know I love it when you guys take the time. I know it's not easy, but I appreciate the hell out of it, right? Alan Link says, fantastic vigor. I enjoy listening to Corey because he has such a good, upbeat attitude about life. Strongly recommend. Alan, thanks, brother. Thanks for seeing it and feeling it, man. It is important to me. You got to have a positive mental attitude. Always. Always, because life is hard enough. You got to have your armor set up when it's going to come and try to tear you down. Susan says, Susan Rollins says, excellent content. What a treasure trove of information. Excellent interviews. Every episode teaches me something new. Thank you very much. 
Susan, I appreciate that, really. that's We've got some series coming up. Actually, it's going to be the next episode. It's a three-part series, The Good, Bad, and the Ugly, of Sierra Point. And that's one of my new purchases where I'm going to talk about all the things that went right, all the things that went sideways, and everything that went bad, right? I'm going to show you everything because that's what true transparency looks like, feels like, and sounds like, right? But at the end, we win. We always win in the end. That's the great part is when you put together a good deal, yeah, things go crazy, but in the end, it's always the same result, which is let's make lots of money, right? That's why I love the multifamily business. Guys, hold on. Let's uh, introduce Rafi from Israel. He's going to take away. Let's go. Rafi, welcome to the show, brother. How you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on your show. Talking before the show, kind of what we were going to talk about and getting this ready. This is a lot to unpack because you are investing from a location that most people, when they come, oh, I can't invest, Corey, because my market sucks or whatever. But here you are in Israel doing major deals in the United States. That's Let's right. talk about that journey because there's a lot of stuff for us, I think, to unpack and really showcase on it doesn't matter where you're at. It's a matter about mindset and how you did it. That's true. You know, we are just after the NBA uh, final, right? So I uh, forgot his name, but he has a story where he said he will be in the NBA. He said he want to be strong. He want to get the finals and he did it. So it's all about the mindset. That's an inspiration. And I'm an inspiration to people in Israel. You as example, you're an inspiration to me. So but we're all in the journey, right? We're on the journey to achieve what we dream. And it's all about start the way, go and do it, and be persistent, right? So I'm a persistent guy, and I never quit until I get it. All right, that's what I love. So how did you get into real estate? Give me your first, like, let's back up a little bit and say, yeah. you just didn't start in multifamily. Yeah, no, I didn't. It was uh, 13 years ago, I was in IT. I was a Java programmer. I was working on computer all day, right? Didn't know anything about a business, working with people, negotiation, nothing of that. And I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the Bible of uh, real estate investors, right? And I got like, I got to do it. I got to do it. Everything I thought about was wrong. I said to my father, father, you told me go to school, get education, find a job. You will be fine. What? Fine. I'm fired and I didn't find a job. So I decided I'm going to do the journey. I started buying in Israel. The market in Israel is small and very, very expensive. You can buy a house here less than $500,000 in a bad neighborhood. Right. Right. So it's very expensive. So after two years, I heard about the crash in America. It was 2010. I decided to stop buying houses in the state. I didn't know how to do it. I knew how to buy in Israel. You know, Americans are so lucky. They don't know how lucky they are. You have bigger pockets. You have people sharing information, right? You can call somebody and it will help you. And when I try to reach out to people, they told me how they do it. And people are from California, buying in Cleveland, buying in Florida. They buy far away. So you actually can copy the process. So who cares that I need to fly 24 hours? I'm flying 24 hours, right? All the way. And they need to fly four or five hours. Right. We would both 
going to get the mindset still the same, right? So, okay, but let's unpack that for just a minute because you IT guys. So when I think of IT guys, I don't think of car salesmen. I think of a guy that likes numbers and very exact and And very, very cautious. I want to see step one, step two, step three. Right. You read rich dad, poor dad, and it blows your mind. Boom. I'm in, I'm doing my, dad said, do it. And I did it. And I'm to the point where you're like, wait a second, I'm going to be doing this, doing groundhog day forever. I'm ready to get off the tracks. I'm off this train. And you trade that ideal for the unknown. Right. Right. Congratulations, brother, by the way. Thank you. That in itself, I think that's what happens to us though, as investors, you were going a different way because I have the exact same experience. I was going and then something happened and that it was that book that radically changes you. And it makes you like, wait a second, there's a different way. Now from there, you got to start being resourceful, right? Because you're like, okay, so I understand the concept of real estate. I'm going to go try it in my own market. And then you hit your first roadblocks. Yeah. But I learned that you need to be like water. Water always find a way to pass the wall right? They reach the wall, they find a way, right? So you got to find a way to do it. That's one of the things that I always tell also to my students, you got to find a way. So, you know, for me, from Israel, I said to myself, okay, I need to find an area that is good location. It doesn't have to be a class location. It should be a good location, right? I need to know how much renovated uh, property costs in the area or sold. I need to figure this out. I need an attorney. So I want to have an attorney. So even though now we know we don't have in the single family home attorneys, but I need an attorney to make sure that I will be the owner eventually, right? And if I buy below market value and I did a mistake with the contractor, I still have a room. That's simple. It's not that difficult, right? I simplified the process for myself. So I think that is your background. Here's a process because you start putting in things like processes, right? Right, right. So, but I try because I'm very detail oriented. I learned about myself in the first two years in Israel that I need to instead of so people from IT usually they go from the details up, and it's a problem because you never finish with the details. So what I started to do is from the top to bottom. I said, okay, I need to have a simple process without thinking about the details. I need to work on that. Then I will go start and understand how do I do? How do I protect myself? How do I know that this is a good market? How do I know that? What are the prices? And in America, I said, you are very lucky. Everything is reachable. Google it. Right? Right? You Google it and you find it. Yeah, everything. You can find an owner, right? In Israel, you can find an owner. It's not open. In America, you can find an owner. You can do so many search and understand. So by talking with investors, agents, management companies, attorneys, inspections, all of that, I built a process, a simple process how, and I started and I bought my first house. There were, of course, the contractor suddenly, you know, said instead of 10, it became 14. Okay. But I still made money because I bought low, right? I bought it like 30% below market value. You can make, even if the rehab goes up, you still have room you to make. yourself your margin of error. You, so you did everything right. Now, and you didn't create any of this kind of on your own. You actually used other people's systems and processes, right? Right. Like said, in America, you, you just, 
you took the information, found the right information for what you needed, because there's enough people that are teaching virtual buying, virtual wholesaling, virtual everything, right? Yeah, I learned. At the beginning, I didn't take, took a mentor. I didn't feel comfortable to do it. But once I started to do buy and hold and wanted to go the fix and flip, I took a mentor. I wanted to do virtual wholesaling. I took a mentor and started. And I said, it's all about trying and error. I said, what will go wrong? It's, everything is an investment. Everything you put, for me, I say, I'm going to do real estate for 30 years. So what will went wrong now, it's the profit letter, right? So it's all about investment. It's not about losing money. Most people are afraid to lose money, right? When they do their first investment, right? But when you're afraid, you don't act, right? So you got to do your best. You got to be willing to make the mistakes, right? Yes. Good. All right. So... So you figure out the single family space, but there's this new itch that happens, right? Yeah. So tell me about that. How did you get in the multi? So I always wanted to do, I dreamt big, but I didn't, you know, I read the Donald Trump books long yeah. time ago, right before he was president, etc. And he thought about think big, right? And I thought about that. I thought that in order to do that, you got to have a lot of money. Right, it's not. I didn't hear about syndication, yeah. I didn't hear about syndication, and it's that everyone can do it, right? So it took me a while until I got tired, I didn't get excited anymore from fix and flip. I made money, but I didn't feel like there is a scalable here. I wanted to do millions, I wanted to have a new challenge. I'm a guy who likes challenges, it's not about money. You make money, it's in the bank, but that's not exciting anymore, right. Yeah, right. it's the achievement, right? It's the process, it's the achieving, it's that the roadblock that you say to yourself, okay, I gotta figure this out. I gotta keep trying. All right, I'm gonna stop you right there for just a second because I preach this all the time and you just said it again. So I want everybody to listen to this right now. Here is another person that has said exactly what eventually money is not the game. We all think it is. We first come in, I do it because I want to make more money. Listen, you will get there and where money is like, I'm making money, but it's not it. It's about something else. And I call it legacy in my mind, right? But it's something way bigger that keeps that drive. And that's, I think that's why we all attract to that multifamily space. Because now we're playing a big boy game. Yeah, it's a challenge. Listen, I look at that as sports, it's really like sports, right? Yeah. You can lose a deal, you make offer and you lose a deal to somebody else, which is fine. You need to figure this out. For example, we had a small conversation before we started recording that I lost best and final like a, a week ago because somebody came and did non-refundable, no early access, meaning he's day one, put money and he's taking a risk, right? And I said to myself, okay, I lost the deal to him. How do I next time be able to beat somebody else, right? And get the deal. So it's a challenge. So now I need to work on my process. I have like a sketching that I'm throwing ways to do it. I'm talking with people, trying to get the way to do it. And eventually I will do it. I know I will do it. I will know I will bypass that and make a good deal. But that's what's exciting, right? Yes. And that's the fun part. Okay. So... Tell me kind of about your first multifamily deal. How did you find it and source it? And how did you fund it coming from the single family side? 
to go into multi, how did you kind of put all that together? So, of course, it was a process. So the first deal I actually didn't source. So I had a mentor and the mentor, he was the lead sponsor. And I said, I want to be part of a deal. I said, I need a track record. I want to have a track record and make money and get experience, right? So I raise funds in Israel. So I'm the top mentor in Israel. I teach people how to buy houses. I have more than a thousand students in Israel. You know, I said, okay, I will try to raise 300, 500, and I raised a million in two weeks. I didn't know I can do it. (laughs) I used to raise funds for single family, like 50, 100. I I didn't do it so much. So suddenly I I was raising a million dollars in two weeks. I said, okay. That's a way to be in the game. And That's the way to be in the game, right? You can add value to a lead sponsor real quick and then get your experience at the same time. Yeah. And what I do, I do the asset management too. So I'm doing the weekly reports, we're going over the weekly reports, the monthly reports. And because my investors are speaking Hebrew, right? So I translate everything. I'm generating the reports to them. I'm asking questions to the management company and the other sponsor well the deal and yeah i'm doing asset management and i do it not just to take care of my investor also i did it for to learn to see because you have a plan budget right you plan what you want to achieve in the property and then there is reality and you want to see are you aligned with what you predicted and if not why not right so you learn a lot of by doing that and that's gave me the track record and brokers at the beginning didn't take me for the act like I'm another buyer, even though it was three years ago, today is even crazier. But three years ago, there was always somebody who was more experienced than you. So the off market deals didn't come to me at first. But after two years, I got a call from a broker that I already worked with him, underwrote a deal. I was cons- you know, consistent, yeah. underwriting deals, making offer, underwriting deals, making offer, underwriting deals, making offer, always follow up with them. I saw it like a business where you have the marketing and sales. So there is always, I say, even if you are the worst salesman in the world, you have a conversion rate, right? Yes. There is a conversion rate. So it's all about keep doing it until you convert. That's it. That's how I look at it. Okay, so you need to be better at that. So that's what I did. Right? Yeah, it's like batting practice, right? You got to keep swinging away. Eventually, you'll get a little bit better. You'll get a better closing percentage. You'll get more hits. But that is that consistency track record for the broker because brokers don't care until you make them care, until they finally feel like they know you. Yeah, and they see you don't go anywhere. That's yeah. one of the things I used to tell brokers. Listen, I'm not going anywhere. I'm patient. I know you have other buyers. I know how it works. You have other buyers. I respect that. No worries. I'm just asking you to give me the shot when you can. That's it. When you can, give me the shot. And so one of the brokers, he said, Rafi, you underwrote this deal. The deal fell through. I will give you a shot. Boom. Boom. Then I got my deal. So, and while I was doing it, I was- was the first. And that one was really, even though it wasn't your first, that was the one you did all by yourself. All by myself. Yeah. But of course, I still work with my lead sponsor, but yeah. I have more roles. But you've now sourced it. It's more considered your deal in your mind, right? Yeah. The other one yeah. was his deal that you participated in, but this one was, this is Rafi's deal. Yes. Yes, of course. How did it feel though? It was great. 
Again, it's not about the money. It's about the achievement. And it's not the achievement. If it was easy, you never cherish it. That, right? Not because it was hard. It's because you needed to solve things on the way, right? So, and it's actually fun. I like doing it. I like the challenge. For me, I can be awake 2 a.m. in the morning because the time different. And American asked, don't you go to sleep? Don't you ever sleep? I said, I'm not tired. It's fun. Are you ready for retirement? The majority of Americans are not. Failing Social Security and dated financial planning practices put strains on many retirees' finances. 46% of Americans admit they are not taking steps to prepare for the likelihood they outlive their retirement savings. Luckily, it's not too late. Diversify your portfolio. At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. To learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you got to do in Israel to make it work in the U.S., man. That is awesome, though. See, but what I see is that and what I hear, Rafi, is the determination factor, right? Meaning, like you said, I wrote it down. And this is like Bruce Lee, but be like water, my friend right? Water can flow. It finds the way all the way down to the bottom of the cup, no matter what you put in, right? Right. It will always find a way. Always. Always. So it's like, that's how I see it. It's like you get in the car, you know where you want to go and you have, when your tire explodes or something. Yeah, yeah, blow up. Yeah. So now you're stuck on the way. So you wanted to drive five hours. Now it's seven or eight. Eventually you get there, right? Yeah. So it just... So it's climate consistency. That's the recipe, right? Yeah. And I say also being honest. That's one of the key I keep doing. Being honest, always be honest. That's, I think, one of the key to my success is that I'm an honest guy. I will tell people in the face what I think, even though sometimes people tell me, I'm not rude, but uh, you tell me, listen, Americans don't do that. But uh, I say, I don't care. I prefer being honest and... I think Broker likes that. People like it. So how big was that first deal that you did, Rafi, the one that you found? Eight million. Eight million. How much money did you raise? We raised the 2.5 in two weeks. It was a killing deal. We bought it for 56 a door. It was worth in the market. We saw trading for 64. We are just selling it now for 90 a door. Oh, so you bought it for how much did you buy it for? 12? Uh, it was 56, 136, 56. I'm calculating 7,616, and we are selling it for 90 at door, 136. 12,240,000 around that. Gabby, my friend, like a six million, almost five, five to six million dollars of profit. Yeah. And you yeah. started, I mean, what a. For anybody, I always say, man, like it doesn't take too many really cool apartment deals to move the needle, like just not a little bit, a lot. Yeah. You know, but when it comes down to the end, like when you actually get rid of them and you sell one for a lot of money, that profit can be used then to really catapult you on your next deals, right? Yeah. I mean, you didn't stop. You don't like, oh, I bought that one deal and I stopped. You've kept going. You now have uh, what you said, like 766 units, six deals. Yeah. Yeah, and we are well, selling another one. That's right. Yeah, we some of them are ready to sell. Yeah. And some of them you're, you're still looking to buy when you can. Again, I'm an honest guy. We are so lucky because of the market, 
right? Or we are smart because of the market. For me, it's a lesson. I learned a lot and I want to be better on the next cycle, right? Because let's say we are all are lucky, right? The market is crazy right now. We all look good. Yeah, right. So, but wait till uh, that tide goes back, right? We'll see who's naked and who's got clothes on, right? Who's a good operator? And I got to say, there are things I learned that I, next time I will do better, right? From yeah. asset management part. I learned a lot on the asset. And I think in the industrial, again, being honest, not a lot of people talk about the asset management part. No. They talk about getting a deal done, but what about the asset management? It's really about operations. Operations where the money's made anyways, right? You've got to be a good operator. And either you hire really good management companies, which I think that's the key to this. And then yeah. asset manager does, in my opinion, is make sure that they're doing it to your vision. Right. Make sure that when you say, hey, I want, like for me, I like USB plugins in all my turns in the kitchen and the baths. And when I don't see it happening, I get freaked out, right? Because like I teach it, like that's my little value add that I add. Doesn't cost a lot of money, but I like on these 80s, 90s products, everybody's got power. Everybody's got stuff they need to plug in. And you put a little USB plug in by the kitchen. Like, I don't know, mom and dad think that's cool or people that rent it think it's cool. Yeah, it's a value add and it distinguish yourself properties from the others. Yeah, exactly. And it's like that little other thing, right? Yeah, I agree. Uh, so I learned that asset management, I learned from the, doing that, that things on the next round of deals that I will do, I want to get better on how to and do what it. What do you want to get better at? Can you give us a couple examples? You asked for tips? Sorry. Well, yeah, a couple examples of what you'd want to get better at. So, you know. Okay. For example, one of the things I have not done before is the working capital. So working capital, we didn't raise enough. So banks are slow or they have their own time, let's say. Sometimes you need to wait for them and now you can't turn a unit. Now you need to renew instead of take the tenants out and renovate it, right? Because you don't have enough funds. So it took more time to do that. So working capital. So I budget now around 30% of renovation for working capital. But what I do, if I do a bridge, once I finish the bridge, once I do the refinance, I will give back the working capital. Yeah, get it back off your plate. I think that's super smart, right? Meaning, and you do that with a call option, everybody. So if you have, when you're creating your PPM, you can create call options in your PPM to where you can return everybody's money as long as you pay them their return. So it's a very easy wow. way to do it. There's lots of different ways to do it, but like however you structure it makes sense, right? Yeah. And what you're talking about too, like for everybody that's listening right now, what he's talking about is the problem is you do a loan and they say, hey, Rafi, we're going to give you this loan and we're going to fund 100% of your capital expenditures, your CapEx, your budget. And you may have, I got an $800,000 budget. They're like, great, no problem. We'll finance it. But what they don't tell you is that it's very slow and like sometimes pulling teeth for them to give you back your money. Yeah. Meanwhile, you're trying to run your property very efficiently. And if you don't have enough working capital, then you're relying, you slow your whole pace based on the bank's process of turning that money. And you still need to pay the preferred, right? So now you, you say, okay, let's stop with the prefer because we don't want to stop. It's better. Not, I prefer not pay the prefer now than stop the renovation. So it, it was very thin. 
now I budget 30%, which is it's, it's a lot, I think. Yeah. It's plenty. Because now that gives you, so you can start doing renovations, you're buying and paying for stuff. And then you submit all these paid invoices to the lender. Then they replenish your coffers. Meanwhile, you're keeping on renovating, doing all the things you're planning on doing without much slow time in the process because you're working that. Yeah. Tip, by the way, because that is a big, big deal. Um, I've been a victim of it. I've made that mistake. We've just learned the same way you did. It happens to you once. You're like, oh, this sucks. I don't want to be held hostage anymore to the yeah. banks giving me money when they're like, they, and they all say, wouldn't you say, Ralphie, that they all say it's going to be easy. Every loan. Oh yeah. This is the process. Real simple. Yeah. They lying. <laughs> it takes time. Yeah. Because <laughs> then yeah. they go back to their loan agreements and their docs to say, well, it's all easy, but you've got to have it lined up exactly like it says in this document or yeah. it's going to get kicked back. Yeah. And inspection are not coming time. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's going to be two weeks before we get our guy out there to say that you did what you did. And until yeah. that happens, we can't release the funds. Yeah. And everything's slow. So that's one. Another tip is when you take over, first thing you need to do is make sure that you have traffic. Because usually, you know, new management and new, new ownership, tenants will try doing stuff, somebody will skip, and you need to have a traffic. So make sure you have a traffic. Pay attention to that, right? I think that one of the things that next time I will pay attention before I buy what is the traffic and make sure we have the right traffic to the property. Right. So you're marking, so you don't want people to stop because, and this is another good one, when you knew, usually taking over a value add for a reason. There's not great management in place and there's probably some deferred maintenance, meaning they're just not managing it like it should. Once you come in with a new management company, it's usually, you're way more rigid on, this is our structure, this process. People start like, oh, because they've been, they've been training the other management company how they want yeah. it. You come with rules and procedures they want to find a way to leave. Yeah, and, and people leave. Placement tenants for them. You're saying make sure you have the traffic and really keep an eye on it so you can turn those units and put in your right tenants that's going to listen to your guys' way. It the happened to me in two properties. Their occupancy dropped like from 90-something to 80 and one property to 70. was really a drop. We had the right manager on site that is also the right, you need to have a different management. Another thing I learned, you need the right manager on site to a, a different step. Meaning when you are in a lease mode, right? You are doing the value add. You need somebody who, who is good on sales. Aggressive, yes. Got a sale. Then once you replace the tenants, now you see that your property is That's going that way. Right? Yeah, you need somebody who's good on the customer care and stabilizing and reports. And usually, salesmen are not good on financials. So you, you got. Yeah. No, that's a great. That's a great point. How do you now? Does your current management company screen those types of applicants for you? Yeah. You know. So you mean for the you mean to, for the manager on site? Yeah, so we use the thing called Predictive Index, my management company does, and I found that that's been really cool to help identify our salespeople's characteristics versus the typical manager, which is reports, detailed, right? Because those are two different people, right? Two different people. Because yeah. the sales guys, like, 
yeah, 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 yeah. Report. Yeah, no problem. I'll get the report. But uh, like, hold on. Got a guy and gets them to sign the lease. Right. And yeah. you need that. But eventually right. you need someone. Once you get it filled up, you need someone that's like, hold on. Got to take care of the shit show that was just created. Yeah. And hopefully this is what I learned when I buy. That's why I buy bigger properties now. You can get both. I usually want a manager to be more the. Uh, yeah. And then that salesperson, I just want a straight up killer. Agree. Agree. Yeah, that's a big point. On smaller properties, you got to have that one person that's kind of like a unicorn. Yeah. You got to be able to do both a little bit. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm still not in the 200 and something units, although I've submitted on you, but I ain't got that yet. Yet is the key word, my friend. There's no doubt in my mind you will break that code. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm working on it. I'm working on a portfolio, off-market portfolio in Macon, in Macon, Georgia. It's a big class. It's almost a $40 million deal, taking all together. I'm almost the only one. I don't know how I'll do it, but I will work on that and see. Yeah. I will figure this out. Yeah. For everybody listening to that, that part too, there's another, that's a stretch, right? That one right there is stretching you. Yeah. And we all get stretched. That one would stretch me, I think, a little bit, right? I remember when I started, my first deals were like $3 million, 3 to yeah. $5 million, And that was like, and need about $1 or $2 million of money. Now we're doing deals where it's $24, $30 million, and the raise is like 10 to 15 Right. And you're right. like, oh my God, right? Yeah. But it stretches you. And I have this, say it's the right attitude, which you just said, Rafi, was I'll figure it out. Yeah, we will figure this out. I will be nervous. I will lose hair, but I will be here fine eventually. Yeah. And then you'll do it and then you'll do another one. And then that's just kind of what I think the great ones, you put yourself out there where you're a little bit scared. Because I think when you're nervous is when it's good. When I'm nervous, and I'm nervous right now because I've got like three deals back to back to back, right? 24, 17, and 12. And then another 28 million behind that. And they're all like sequential, right? Yeah. And so once I, I just closed one, I got three more coming and one more that will go under contract once I sell one or buy one, right? So it's the same seller. Yeah. I'm nervous, bro. Yeah, but that's to be on the final if you, we go back to sports, right? Well, I feel like, yeah, but I feel like I'm growing, man. At the same time, I'm super excited, just like you are. I mean, I can just tell you love what you do. Talk about doing... Why do you love this business, brother? I think it's people. It's working with people. You know? It's a challenge and working with people. I think that's why I love it. And also it's a fulfillment because once I do it, I pass it over to people because in my mission is to help others to do the same. For me, it took 13 and let's say 10 years to start the multifamily. My students will learn about a single family. It will take them two to three years. Because they will see I can do it. Now they see that I can do it. Now they say to myself, themselves, we can do it. So it's a mission. For me, I want that to be able to create wealth, to be achievable to everybody. Yes. That's something. Right? That's the real drive too, right? Yeah. I found that for myself. That's why I have this podcast, right? Is it's my way of giving back nuggets, right? Like your story means something to somebody listening right now. Your story is what they needed to hear. Yeah. Right. Okay. If I can do it, everybody can do it. I'm a regular person, right? My students say, oh, Rafi. I said, don't do it. I'm a regular person. I'm like you. I'm only a few steps ahead. That's it. <laughs> Teach what you know, man. And keep learning. Keep striving, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's so why I always go with the shirt. I don't do 
suits or I don't care about that. Cars, it's all worthless. (laughs) I totally agree. And I love that attitude and that you're serving others as well. If you could give some advice to new students that are out there, people that are listening to this podcast, and maybe they've not done a deal or they're, they're just starting out, what advice would you give them? Be part of another group of community or be part of people. Don't do it alone. You don't have to do it alone. There are so many people who would love to help you. Always raise a hand. Somebody will help you. So be part of a group, part of a community. It doesn't matter. That's huge. I'm going to second that. That is. And then raise your hand. Don't be afraid to raise your hand. Yeah. Just say, I need help. You know how many well, times I ask help? People come, help. And that's beautiful, right? It shows that we are human, right? There will always people would say they are haters, right? There will be always haters, but who cares? There are so many people who likes to help. So I call in my community, I call it together we are better. So we do things together. We help each other. High tide rises all boats. I totally agree. Great words of wisdom. Is there any books that you're listening to right now or reading that has affected you and that you don't want to share? No, I don't really read books. I don't know. That's fine. No, that's so funny. Like, read, just read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. <laughs> yeah, I read. That's it. I don't know. I like uh, inspiration stories. That's it. So I can read an inspiring story short, see a video. That's inspiration. That touched my journey and inspired me and keep remind me that I'm on my way. Yeah, I love it. Well, listen, I want to thank you for coming on this show and just sharing some insight because... If Rafi can do it from Israel, I'm telling you, there is no excuse why you can't do it. I mean, if you're here in the United States, everything's here. It's easier, but it doesn't matter. If you're overseas, if you're in the military, right? I mean, you're stationed somewhere that's crazy far. Doesn't matter. If there's a will, there's a way, right? And you're living proof, Rafi, that no matter what, you put your mind to it, you can hit it, right? Yeah. Look at uh, Elon Musk. He said he's going to fly up and he did it. He's not the only one. Now everybody talks about that it's possible, right? So yeah. you only need to see somebody who already achieve it and you can do it too. That's yeah. it. That's my inspiration. Yeah. Awesome. Last little piece. Uh, if people want to find you and get a hold of you, or maybe even, I know you have an education platform as well. How would they find you? So the education and part is in Hebrew. So if somebody okay. from America want to try and learn Hebrew, so go ahead. Good luck. <laughs> no, but I have a website. We are organizing it again, but it's Proud Communities. That's the name of the website. And they can Google Rafi Mizrahi and find it too. So Again, listen, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation because I think you're just one of those just humble guys that from IT read a book, changed your life, and you've been moving constantly in the direction that you want to go. And then you decided to teach others along the way because it wasn't just about you. You decided that you wanted to give and you're sharing your success with your community and helping build bridges and educate and get others to become just like you. So I think that's just a very humble calling. Very proud of you, brother. Guys, listen, if you're listening to this podcast, this is where we do it. We bring real guests, just like Rafi, onto the show where there is no filters. It's just real people that found ways to do things that are extraordinary. And you are no exception, my friend. Your journey is extraordinary. And I'll say this, and this is like I sign off on every show, is if you believe it, you can achieve it and your paradise is possible.